In this episode of Fintech Flow, I deep dive into Israel's super developed fintech ecosystem with Nir Netzer and Tal Sharon from Equitech. Equitech is a consultancy firm providing innovation scouting services to financial institutions and business development services to fintech and cybersecurity ventures. They are actively working with over 70 fintech companies and mapped over 500 companies in Israel. They are also leading one of the world's largest fintech communities called Fintech Aviv, which consists of 6,000 entrepreneurs, fintech ventures, financial institutions, leading professionals and investors. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT certified fintech expert Linda Sharline is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. Welcome guys to Fintech Flow. Please introduce yourself and your company. So I'm Nir Netzer, the founding partner of Equitech Financial Consulting. And, and with me, my partner. Hi everybody, my name is Tal Sharon, I'm managing partner at Equitech. And we're uh, here with uh, lovely Linda and this uh, great uh, podcast and I uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Maybe in two words about Equitech and what we're doing in the Israel ecosystem. Uh, so Equitech is a fintech consultancy, well-established. It's a boutique fintech consultancy working for the last five years. Professional consultants and fintech analysts, researchers, um, and, um, and experts in all kinds of topics in fintech are hired in our office based in Tel Aviv. Um, we're actively supporting a couple of dozens of fintech startups in the Israeli ecosystem, promoting them outside of Israel, um, in different financial institutions, connecting them to financial institutions or to investors. From the other hand, we're working with financial institutions, banks, insurance companies, investment houses, etc., to scout for innovation for them and to manage their deal flow. So you're looking for cooperation outside of Israel for Israeli and startups? The Israeli startup ecosystem is pretty unique because 90% of them are looking for global opportunities. Israel is a small market, so it's a test, beta, POC kind of market. Most of the companies are, you know, from the, from the day they start, they look for challenges in global markets where they have enough population, enough really tangible market for them to operate. So we as a consultancy firm work with global financial institutions, connecting them to these Israeli startups. And the, re- the remarks we receive are exceptional. Just we understand that uh, really the Israeli ecosystem produces amazing technologies that uh, really should be implemented worldwide, and that's what we support. So basically, Israeli companies are taking our services to penetrate different markets outside of Israel. So the tech is from Israel, the corporate partners are outside of Israel, usually, usually, because we can say that. Um, we see many very innovative banks and financial institutions outside of Israel. And Israel is a very innovative country, but one thing we can say for sure, the banking industry in Israel, it's not very early adopter. Okay. So the tech is coming out of Israel, but usually is implemented in global financial institutions and not in Israeli ones. Interesting. And then what is supporting the tech to be so developed? As far as I know, Israel is second in the world in terms of spendings on fintech per capita so it's quite developed fintech wise and the incumbent sector is not that early adopting then what is supporting the startups the fintechs so 
there are actually four we see it from our perspective so four main uh, um, items or topics that, are, that can come to mind first is the side of size of Israel meaning the government understand that we do not have a lot of uh, partners to trade with what we do have is a lot of knowledge so the government supports it greatly with initiatives with grants uh, from higher education even uh, for even for younger than that understand what is ideation innovation driving them into a path that will in the late later stage will generate more uh, technology and more startups so this is on the the governmental side um, second is uh, the mandatory draft in Israel we have a mandatory draft every man and women does goes to army for men do three years women do two years and that's uh, only at the beginning can be your, your entire lifetime career so other than the intelligence units for focus cyber aspects or on really um, cutting out technologies and then moving from the, the military space to the private sector also any person going to the army when they defended the army you get a lot of entrepreneurship skills so you understand like what is to deal with the high pressure situation how to put yourself targets and goals and achieve them so you don't really aware of it but you become more equipped to become a, an entrepreneur doesn't matter if you open a, a coffee shop or barber shop or, or launch your uh, global uh, startup so these are two the government does support in, in terms of funds and the entrepreneurial spirit entrepreneur spirit because of the mandatory draft I think these are two very critical topics but I would go also with a very small population country like we have eight million people in our country approximately uh, it's a very small and high educated country so most of the people in Israel they have their first master degrees other than the bachelor most of the people are doing the bachelors it's like basic in Israel in Israel it's very it's very prominent um, going to university so the population is maybe small but highly educated so this is one thing and the fourth reason reason I think uh, is um, we have no natural resources at all right the only thing we can export is knowledge truly we see that uh, the the major thing we can export from Israel is the technology and the brains we started with the cherry tomato and cherry then tomato is also cherry tomato is also Israeli. Yeah. 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 So thanks send, for that guys thanks for sure <laughs> biotech and um, other than this of course we came to a level that we are also exporting companies like Waze that are in the of course in the usage of the uh, vast population in the world and just now we talked about lemonade also different very sophisticated developments and very innovative peer-to-peer -peer insurance. What does it mean exactly? This is operative in the USA, but the R&D center and the entrepreneurs are Israelis. So it's interesting to understand. So I think these are the four reasons. Yeah, we can, even, we can even top another one. Because mm -hmm. the, the cultural uh, diversity in Israel is very interesting. There's a lot of, uh, we have what's called the Chokashvut in Hebrew. It means that Every Jewish person in the face of the earth can come to Israel and claim citizenship. So we have a lot of things. We have a lot from different places around the world. It can be from Africa, Russia, the US, European countries, all over the world. What it gets is a very interesting mixture of, of cultures that when you're focusing on, a, on another market, you have insights from, from people who have been there. Not to mention that a lot of 
Israelis after the army are visiting a country or, or a continent for a year. So they come back with a lot of insight about the markets. It might not develop into a startup, but still they have a basic understanding of uh, what it is uh, outside the, you know, the, the boundaries of, of Israel, which you don't have in, in different European countries. Take uh, a German-based startup. Germany is a big enough market. Berlin is a big enough market, so not to mention Germany as, as a whole. So they don't really need to understand the other markets. When they will want to explore additional uh, uh, countries, it will be once they're pretty developed. Whereas in Israel, this is from the get-go, and this is from the start, from day one. Does that mean that startups in general are very strong in Israel, so it's not especially true for fintech, but startups and mm-hmm. entrepreneurship in general? Definitely, I would say yes, because all the reasons we just mentioned for good entrepreneurship, that's for entrepreneurship in a whole, not just for fintech entrepreneurship, but we can definitely say that some reasons that we can indicate were supporting the quick growth of fintech in Israel. For example, the fact that cyber is a very prominent sub-vertical of high-tech that took over the world and many cyber cybersecurity solutions are actually coming from Israel to serve different countries and different intelligence and the bureaus around the world, many out of these solutions were Israelis, we definitely see that the secure transaction, anything that's related to fintech, authentication, anti-fraud, identity theft, everything that's related to fintech and has its cyber roots, definitely gets this push from the cyber ecosystem. The same with different uh, verticals that we see that can actually apply on different industries. So AI, machine learning, big data, it's a cross-industry technology uh, that actually also supports fintech, but many other areas as well. So it supports the growth of high-tech in general, definitely. Although we're small in size, there's over 650 fintech companies. And this is a not even uh, not even all of them because it's only fintech and now with insurtech looking into a lot of companies are not necessarily fintech but are directed for the financial institution so it's getting only bigger and bigger and um, um, the amount of, uh, of new companies sprouting every month every year is phenomenal so for a financial institution you can have one direct access to Israel we can definitely we assist with many uh, uh, global financial institutions on that matter. That way, he has a constant deal flow of innovation, either for implementation, investment, taking for his corporate clients. So this this is a very valuable uh, market to have uh, uh, on-ground presence and live interaction because it's so vibrant and changing all the time. If we look at it from a startup's point of view, for instance, at the very initial phase, when maybe they just have an idea, what kind of support they can get, and then if they go forward and forward, what kind of support is there? It's very broad, and there are many things that can be done and achieved with Israeli early-stage startups. And um, Tal mentioned we have a very small population, and you mentioned even though the small population, investment per capita, we're second in the world, uh, only second to the UK and the US is right after us. So we see that even though it's a small population, the second in its size uh, fintech community in the world called Fintech of Even is operated by Tal and myself, by our company Equitech, 
and we have there 6,000 members. They're all fintech enthusiastics. And you see that even though it's a small population, there are many, many, many entrepreneurs and startups dealing with fintech. These entrepreneurs are getting different support from different entities in the ecosystem. So in terms of corporates and corporate uh, and, and banking partners, uh, so there's the presence, physical presence of Barclays Bank, Bank of Citibank, uh, of JP Morgan, based in Israel, having their R&D teams, having their scouting teams, tracking for innovation for the global uh, activity of these financial institutions. And this is just one aspect. Other aspect, for example, what we're doing with Fintech Aviv, with the community operations. So Fintech Aviv is a non-profit community that is designed to host these young entrepreneurs on stage each and every month. When we talk about different fintech topic in different fintech events, we host entrepreneurs on stage, we host financial institutions representatives from Israel and from abroad. And this is our actually physical platform to make this engagement with entrepreneurs to either locate investments for them or different partners and clients for them. So this is also a kind of support and this is other than the chief scientist and investment that are done by the government uh, that we talked before. So in terms of partnerships, in terms of corporate thinking, in terms of networking, there's much support that can be achieved uh, only by working in the Israeli ecosystem. Maybe also you want to um, um, talk about also in terms of investment. Wow. There's much skyrocketing as well. We saw a very sharp incline uh, in 2018, mm-hmm. as opposed to 16, 17, even 15. <clears throat> so if the median, and this is in fintech, so if the median investment in a, in a young stage company, a seed round, was up until today around the 0.7 to $1 million, we saw in the first half of 2018, it spiked to 2.5 million. That's the median. And even on above this, it's interesting to analyze that only the first half of 2018, in terms of amounts of invested in fintech, it was a better than any other full year before really? it. So wow. just in six months, we achieved what uh, years before uh, in terms of sizes, ticket sizes, and the amounts invested in Israeli fintech. Where is the investment typically coming from? Angel? 70% out of investment, 73%, if I'm not mistaken, are coming from foreign funds. So it can be either corporate venture capital, operated by banks and financial institutions outside of Israel, or just VCs that are looking for strategic investments in Israel. On a global scale, do you have like a market or one or two markets that shows more interest to Israeli fintech? We can definitely agree on the CEE region. Yeah, is the most definitely. You need to understand uh, the time differences, the the physicals, uh, and the idea that you have a lot of flights coming into CEE region. So if you need to have a follow-up meeting, if you need, you need to have engagements. And it's really hard to have an engagement with the U.S. market because the time difference is that it takes you to get there and fly to come back. And, and here we have people coming in the morning, going back in the evening, like it's it, like it's nothing. And, and it really helps the fintech companies to approach the banks here because the relationship with a bank, the relationship with a financial institution for a startup, it takes nine months to a year and a half from the moment they meet until they actually 
if they get to a point of launching a pilot. During that time, there's a lot of work between them. So having little time differences and being able to jump on a plane and, and get here and meet in person, this really reduced the time that it will take for, for a, a fintech startup to be engaged with a financial institution and they understand that. On top of that, on the other hand, the financial institution is also easier for them to commute to Israel and meet them. And same idea of the time differences and understanding and English is very broad, so it's, it's not really difficult. To add on this, also the state of mind. In Eastern Europe, for some reason, I don't know why, but the mentality is quite similar. And we see that the communication between Israelis and the guys from the CEE region even if like top executives from banks and Israeli entrepreneurs still they, they can communicate between each other in a, let's say better way than they would have done with Americans the financial institutions from this region who are turning towards Israeli and fintech are those mother companies or you also work with subsidiary companies who so are this, is, to this is a very good question bank. because it works both ways take ING Bank, for example, located in the headquarter in Amsterdam, they see a lot of innovation. They have a very good uh, acceleration program and, and scouting program, and they see all around the world. They have a lot of focus in Israel. And on one side, they're adopting technologies for a mother company, and from there, spreading it out. But also, when we see ING Poland, for example, they're do- adopting their own, te- own technology. As well and the reason is the corporate cannot implement technology that will be relevant for all the markets because of cultural differences because of innovation and technological different differences so there's some technology technological aspect that are relevant for all of the subsidiaries but a lot of them are really depends on on the market especially in fintech when we see that customer engagement is customer acquisition life life cycle of a customer is something very important and this is very very focused on them it's market centric it's it, you can't do something global and it will be relevant mm-hmm. um, also in terms of regulation and compliance you have to have your product market fit process to each and every market so it's also a support this so it depends on the company because sometimes financial solution can decide okay I want to do my innovation scouting services and In a centralized junction to go through the innovation manager of the whole organization and he will screen the deal for the different department departments and different subsidiaries and in other financial institutions we see that the, it's very defined like each department uh, and each uh, manager is tracking and scouting for the innovation for his own department or its own regions it depends and it's much depends on the process and the level of innovation that the financial institution has adopted already because with time we see that this innovation scouting channel is becoming more and more structured what is the trend right now which parts of the value chain are the ones that banks and insurance companies are trying to cover with fintech and what do you think the trend is going to be in the next two years As for banks we thought that thirty uh, percent we saw this thirty percent from investments and uh, the demand from banks is mainly on payments payment solution and, still, uh, still, still in Israel 
Then we saw second was lending. If you ask me what's the future, so I'm a big fan of blockchain. If we disregard the ICOs um, fever, uh, so we will uh, consider blockchain as an infrastructure and as a decentralized system which is secured and give you the trust to use it. Um, so I think that banks are also seeing it and we could see the R3 organization is currently uh, led by several big banks, major banks that are currently researching blockchain technologies to see what kind of applications they can actually implement it in the financial institutions. Uh, yeah. Is blockchain still in the researching phase or can you see some examples where it has been adopted and used already? We can see one very prominent example of Maersk and IBM conducting a, a documentary credit process for again supply chain. It's import-export business. It's a lot of paperwork involved in this. So we can see this was a very successful first test case of operational blockchain-based system working with financial institution. There's also a very interesting company called Wave dealing with similar uh, spaces, already conducted its first trial uh, deal with First International Bank of Israel and Barclays Bank combined. Uh, so this is a very interesting case study as well, but it's only case study. It's the beginning. I can tell you about 20, 30 more cases like this. It's very, very, very preliminary in the early stage. You asked what's the future of, of fintech. If we understand the customer-centric point of view that financial institutions understand they need to take, so you see that a combination of financial services is what will be interesting most, at least from the customer side. So as for, uh, ourselves as, as users, as, as customers of, of these financial services, it will be a lot more interesting to have the same place to get your loan, insurance, and uh, mortgage. So we see a lot of companies finding ideas on how to develop a solution that will combine two different or even more financial services. You know, we saw that in the early days in apps where every person had like 50 apps on his phone and now we see it decreasing because people want, I want everything in one or two apps, I don't want too many. So the same thing will, the way we see it, will go in financial services as well. We'll see more customer-centric, more one-stop shops for a bundle of financial services. You're already working with the cl client. There's a trust issue that will rise here, which is phenomenal because once you have the customer and he is trusting you already, it's it's not really that difficult to work your way up to different or, or more financial services. I think that the perfect example to, to what you just said, to a broad scale of services and to have a big spectrum can serve different clients is for example what Revolut did or what N26 did it said hey guys we're a digital bank we'll give you all the services and as I said there, there are trust issues and I need as a client as an end client I need to have the confidence that you as a bank have the right credentials to serve me okay as a bank because it's virtual but we see that the certifications for these banks it's easier now to be a financial institution also in the US market also uh, in European uh, European markets and I think that uh, for this example what N26 uh, and Revolut did is phenomenal because
because with time they're onboarding new clients all the time giving them new lines of services with time it started with just payments then loans then mortgages the KYC, now insurance as well now insurance as well the KYC process is already automated the compliance is uh, taken care of the onboarding process and the client engagement process is kind of automatic the ROI is positive only the only thing we need to do is keep on going and this is a very good example I think to um, uh, to see the broad aspect of financial services industry facing clients let's turn a little bit to tech fins or tech companies I mean obviously you have very many fintech companies to work with and uh, you have many banks and financial institutions to work with but are you working with any big tech companies who are trying to enter to the financial market sure there are several companies that we help penetrate to the financial industry for example we can't mention names at this point but uh, we have a very big startup in Israel that was focusing in the gaming industry up mm-hmm. until recently yeah they raised 20 million dollars and thought okay we should open some other channels in some other industries so what we did for them is actually taking their full value proposition to the gaming companies and then corporates turning it to a value proposition to a financial industry now you can only imagine how different these two value propositions look like because the value proposition to a gaming giant let's say Platica is for the example it's not a value proposition that will go to ING or JP Morgan or any other bank it should look totally different price different financial model financial strategy go-to-market strategy of course compliance issues everything is super different so this is an example for shift, shifting from gaming to the financial industry you can see many other examples shifting from cyber to the financial industry also kind of okay if happened today we were selling to the homeland security now we want to sell the cyber product also to the financial industry same super different we look different the value proposition the sales cycle the people that needs to be like the salesman of this kind of products or services are different thank you near and tell for your insights and thank you for listening i hope you like this episode Next week, we fly from Israel to Luxembourg and take a look at the fintech ecosystem there. Stay tuned. I would love to hear from you and read your feedback on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. I put the links in the show notes.